Welcome to the U-Experts Podcast, episode 12. Yes, Jason, I got it right. <laughs> I'm Effie Richel, and I'm here with Jason Moore. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great, Effie. Uh, beautiful day today, and thanks for the warm introduction and getting the episode number correct. Yes. So we're ready to yes. go. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, as Effie and I had just wrapped up a five-series podcast on Marty Kagan's phenomenal book, Inspired, we started thinking about, well, let's do something a little bit different because that is really what we hope this podcast will be about, talking about not only different topics as it relates to the UX of different things and our leadership and different times and experiences, we've had to um, change what we were doing in order to best transform and become better UX experts. Uh, today's episode is going to be another guest episode and really, we're going to be talking about the UX of self-publishing. And you might be thinking, like, why did we come up with that? Well, spoiler alert, Effie Richo, self-published author, and we're going to get a little bit into that. But we're also joined with another fellow citizen of Bozeman. Um, his name is Brian Schaefer, who, unlike us, is actually originally from the Bozeman area in southwest Montana, which is not... Necessarily oh uh, something that many people can brag about. No, that's true. It's yeah. pretty rare. I mean, uh, it's not a big city, and it's mostly uh, people moving here. Brian, Brian could have been in the first 100 settlers in the Bozeman area, <laughs> right after John Bozeman. So, Brian, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Just with my winter beard on, I could start looking like that for a while. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely right. So, <laughs> let's just talk a little bit about Brian before we get into the UX of self-publishing. So if you're not familiar, check the description and you'll see how to best connect and learn more about not only Brian's projects, um, but also Effie's. So in addition to being my neighbor, which is awesome because he's a fantastic neighbor, um, Brian originally started as a local and then later went to Tacoma, Washington, uh, where there's another huge mountain. You might've seen it. It's called Mount Rainier. And uh, finished school in the Seattle area in the late 90s. And from there, you know, some bragging things that I just like to point out, Brian, I forgot that you are a three-time Emmy Award winner for television campaigns. Brian is a 20-year veteran of multimedia design, and he's nationally recognized in both multi-screen and ultra HD widescreen motion graphic videos. And he has worked with some of the biggest brands in the United States. And he's got some new projects that he's been working on. Well, not new. You have projects that you've been wrapping up and some new things that you're doing. And as Effie and I were talking about it, um, given Effie's journey through the, you know, kind of practice of self-publishing, I thought, well, I'm not an author. So what does it look like to self-publish? Mm. How did that begin? I know, Effie, you were kind of getting going and you and Brian had uh, some conversations on unrelated projects. And I guess I would just start with, I guess to each of you, and you can answer in any order, like, where did this idea come from? Why, why even, I mean, you're both employed, you're both mm -hmm. got a lot of projects, like why, why more work? Where, where did that, where did that desire come from? Well, I'll, I'll let Brian go first. Cause, uh, you're the guest. Sure. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, well, in my career, I've had to reinvent myself like every five years, basically. Like, yeah. I started off sure. doing print design in the nineties, right? And then I had to learn this web design stuff or I thought I'd be unemployed. And then I started moving into Flash and multimedia. And then Flash died. And so I had to learn After Effects. Yeah. And then I started doing PowerPoint and moving that into multiple widescreen After Effects work for like Microsoft's and big companies like that, which was a whole other thing. 
and that whole world flipped upside down, changed it, broadcast television, and then all the consolidations and things, you know, you get in, you get out. It's just like an evolving <laughs> right. thing. So I've been developing my skills this whole time. And it came to epitome of like, what am I interested in doing? Yep. How do I combine these skills into something that's fun for me, but also relevant that I can help other people with? And that became my illustration and animation. So basically, I've always liked to draw and do art, um, but I haven't been able to do that professionally because I took the commercial design approach where I could actually make a living. But a lot of the stuff I learned technology-wise in motion graphics animation specifically translated into my own illustration style and kind of combining those two things was like, wow, this is really fun. And also I think it's people really like it. It's really distinctive kind of look to it. Yeah. So I, I started getting into publishing as a way to anchor all the online content I was making. Right. So a platform to get your illustrations and some of your other express, expressive artwork out in front of us. Yeah. In a way that's like physical <laughs> right. and that, that social media is a stream of consciousness. It's like a river that passes by. Right. I was trying to use it as a tool for deep content and it didn't work. Okay. Because people couldn't reference anything. Right. So right. where can you reference stuff the best and not lose it? Physical book. Right. <laughs> it's an old technology. So it's kind of like come full circle, but with all the new tools, I found like actually making interactive books that link in and connect to digital properties, such as not uh, podcasts for additional information, uh, video series that are private that mm -hmm. you can't access otherwise, and GPS mapping. So there's a, those are like the three components that I have in my ecosystem. Yeah. Which interestingly enough, um, I did that for kids coloring books. And since I've done uh, three guides, yeah. Yep. Three guidebooks, um, illustrated guidebooks. And everything I learned in doing that has translated into I'm actually doing reports now for government entities and technology transfer as physical printed books. Okay. Because it's like a really professional way to polish up important messaging. But it looks way better than a three-ring binder yeah. or things that reports are typically put in. It has value. The the uh, the throwaway factor goes you know down significantly in terms of like someone looking at this as an artifact from a particular. Is it like a particular project or a program or how would you describe that kind of government? Work? Well, I can't talk too much about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, they're they're important initiatives and uh, thought leadership okay. platforms, and so you get so much more credibility with right. a physical book. In fact, there's the prototype should be arriving in my house tonight. Nice. So fingers crossed it turned out great. Oh man. But I mean that's the thing, you know, with the self-publishing, what you can do now, you your stuff can look just as good as, you know, big time publisher. Right. Because the technology is accessible. And if you build a system and a platform on how to how to process information and edit for that, yeah. right? The the user interface that people can get, then there's a lot of potential there. Right. Yeah. And I, I do want to circle back on that digital experience, especially I know you've been doing a lot more with kind of a, I'll say the interactive ebook style. You know, you've shown me some of those concepts. Um, but, you know, so you, you started really kind of focusing on your artwork. Your illustration style is very unique uh, because it is computer generated, but obviously you're starting with, if you haven't seen Brian's videos, uh, again, check the description to check them out. You know, he's starting with like pen and paper, and then moving to that other medium, which I think gives it a really kind of unique look and obviously a great way to do it. And then Effie, you're kind of, you know, you're in a different space 
as well oh, with some of the young, yeah, the young adult, <laughs> yeah. you know, authoring. So yeah. I talked a little bit about like, like where'd that come from? Yeah, you wake up one morning with this idea. Well, it was my it was my oldest uh, okay. oldest kid's idea. It was like a third grade writing assignment, and they came home and said, "Hey, I want this, Dad. Let's you know, because I I I'm an author. I mean, I was before that I was a writer. I wasn't an author. I, I was you're published now, so you're you're so official. full on author. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just got the fourth book out <clears throat> in yeah. series, and this was actually a four four to five book series that we envisioned together, we right. worked through to get. And so it was, it was really this, this. It was a homework assignment. It was, well, it was a, it was a one pager story. Kind of <laughs> wow. <vision>. Overachiever. <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Well, the Extra vision was yeah. that dad's yeah. going to, dad's going to write it and they're going to come up right here to help. And so that's what happened. You know, I was they came up with the, the basic idea. Well, they came up with the basic idea. Then I honed down, let's create the world. We got to create the characters. And so this is, I would say young adult fantasy genre. And, um, you know, epic in the sense that there's a lot of books in the series to finish. It's four books to finish the, the arc of that begins in book one. Yeah. Uh, and an opening for the fifth. But yeah, it was um, the greatest thing about it to me, honestly, at the beginning was just the collaboration that I would have sure. with my kid. To, you know, at night, it's like I'd read him the, 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 the chapter and not right that's not what i was thinking i'm like oh well what we really i thought this was the best <laughs> and and, yeah. and working and so you know that really you know b before like, between starting and publishing that book was three years so that first book, that first book yeah and only because was it wow was that because i remember when we and yeah we'll get into uh, my favorite story about the cover art oh gosh uh, <laughs> uh, uh, being on location with you with some other i'm not going to get to that yet so three years from start to that first book, and we're just getting yeah, four yeah, out. Uh, because what happened, you know, I I, I ended up talking, to, uh, you know, I, I joined, a, I, I gave gave it to some early readers. My yep. brother read it to his kids, and my my friend read it, and and they had some feedback, and I beefed it up, beefed it up, and then I joined a writers group, and they critiqued it and helped, um, you know, a lot, and so I got to this place where I thought this is good enough to publish. I'm going to hire an editor, right? And I hired an editor. And you know, paid out of pocket. Right. Um, found, found an editor online in this uh, writing uh, organization online, and you know, the editor just was like, "Oh my gosh, you got to do this, 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 this." Like, there's so much. There's all the things you didn't know. Plus, like, <laughs> yeah, here's all your writing crutches. You know, right. you repeat this kind of phrase all the time. And I was right. like, "Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I couldn't see it for myself." Right. They're too close. And and even like my early readers, you know, they were too forgiving. You know, mm -hmm. like they were like, "Well, that's good." But Why do you I, think that was? Because they were personal family friends? Or? No, no, no. These weren't. The writers group wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, but they, well, they had a lot of feedback. Okay. You know? So, I, but the editor just took it to the next level. And it was a lot of rounds of it. It was probably almost a year of, of work with that editor to get it to publish state. So here I thought it was done, and it was still another year. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> great start, right? Yeah, great yeah. start. Solid first draft yeah. here. Here's all my red lines. It was probably about seventy percent as many pages when I brought yeah, you that to come out down. That draft. Sure. No, like I I increased that many pages. Oh, like I added a bunch of chapters. I added a bunch more character growth, that kind of stuff. So yeah, well, I okay. So I guess, anyway, yeah. Question for both of you. I mean, yeah, we're definitely like jumping right in. Well, let's take a step back and just say, okay, each of you has this vision. It's in a different area. Brian, obviously, with some illustration, and you get into some of the like the specific subject matter that you were focused yeah. on. 
Effie's covering more, you know, fictional writing, young adult fantasy. How did you, I guess, thinking back, which is kind of funny, how did you even get started? Did you have a project plan? Effie, did you map out the entire book? Brian, did you know it was going to be, you know, a three book series, which is now expanding into all these other areas? Did, did, or did you just like wing it and run? Well, mine was a coloring book. So it was pretty, looking back, is pretty rudimentary, pretty simple. Yeah. Because um, I wanted to start drawing again. And that was, that was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I can't even remember why I decided to do it, but I thought I needed to make a book. Yeah. Well, I remember you and I, got together and had a beer and yeah, and yeah we had we had like a barbecue out broadly <laughs> as we're chatting about we were, talk, we were talking about self-publishing and i had just gotten into it just started learning the ropes you had your first kickstarter by then it was yeah. a it was a it, it's a lot to get started it's it's really overwhelming and so i ended up hiring well i met another local bozeman author that wrote a kid's book about a bear that was in his yard and but, he actually connected me with an editor out of New York that helped authors basically figure out how to package a book. Sure. But looking back, it's funny because he actually laid everything out in Photoshop and did all this wonky stuff, but it's this how you get it set up for Amazon. Right. I did the first one with Amazon um, KDP. And so it was just basically do whatever I could to get something out there. Right. There were so many things to learn with with layout and then formatting and of course when you're on these self-publishing platforms they are so nitpicky about crazy stuff you can't understand oh, so yeah. i'm used to working like what well templates and uh okay. working at because it's basically an automated process where you submit the manuscript as a pdf file okay. but if you don't do it with this formula whatever it exactly right and it rejects it over right. and over well, unless you get yeah one question i have you, you said Amazon KDP, what Kindle? Oh, Kindle Direct Publishing, it's their act. Okay. So yeah, sure so, so literally this morning, I was on KDP. I had I, So I, I did a first run of my book for, because it's just coming out. It's The official release date is November or December 12th, which yep. um, I guess it'll be out yep. by the time the podcast is released. But uh, I was literally uh, early this morning on KDP, because I already printed an early run to Ingram Spark. And I don't know if we'll get into all the reasons of why I've got different systems that I use. It's, it's, well, yeah, we, I mean, we should definitely talk about it's kind of like the tool belt of that self publishing. But yeah, yeah, but, but, but I want to stick with that. Let's start with like the original plan. Let's go back to book one. Yeah. Like, so you had that three years. Like, how were you approaching what it was that you wanted to get done? Mm -hmm. You get this homework assignment, you're going back to third grade to complete this homework <laughs> assignment and, you know, helping your family. And, and yeah, after, after did you just like run and like, I'm just going to start writing and see what happens or. How yeah. You, I mean, I think, I, I think for any aspiring author, the hardest part of it is actually just doing it, like yeah. doing the writing and getting the first draft out. So the nice thing for me was I had a kid who was pushing me to do it and I, and that got out. You're on the hook now. Yeah. It got out. And then it was like, okay, but we should publish this. Like, let's actually go to the next step. And so then you start going, what do I do? And at, at that time I thought, oh, I need an agent, you know, and I'd, um, really you went to agent? No, I, I thought so. Well, okay. I, so I, um, you and Aaron Rodgers both had an agent, <laughs> maybe, maybe any representation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, so, uh, I started, so my, my writing history goes back a ways. I, I wrote stuff on fatherhood and I also wrote half of a sci-fi novel. 
like either before having kids or right around. So like about 15 years ago. And so like Brian, I was, like Brian's illustration, like writing's an, an outlet for you. Yeah. So I was doing this before and, and I went to this writer's conference and I talked to all these agents and there was a lot of interest they had in what I was doing. And so I thought to myself, I got to find an agent, you know, this was a good, you know, maybe I'll go to one of these conferences, whatever. But I started doing the research and learning and, and what everyone is saying online. And, and I've since had this validated from many very, very, very successful authors, some of which had been in the traditional publishing industry and they're all out of it now. They're mm -hmm. all self-publishing because now they have full control over their books. Mm -hmm. They own the book. They can do what they want with it. They can, they can make a book free, you know, as a, a, a digital book uh -huh. for a certain period of time to try to get people in the door. You know, there's lots of things you can do self-publishing you can't do if you're tied into an agency. And Ooh, because they own it, because they're right, taking right. all the risk. To plus, plus, like, let's say you, you do want to make a movie out of it one day. Like, you got to go through all their hoops instead of just being self-published. And so they own the, the intellectual property. There's a lot, there's a lot more lawyery kind of involvement. Plus, you know, if you self-publish, you actually get a nice, a nice cut for every book. Sold compared to pennies. So when you wrote it, I would ex I would expect that to be the case. Yeah, and so and, you know, and 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 what they've said is, you know, with traditional agencies, what you get from them is is this bigger arm of marketing. But most authors don't get that. It's only the top two percent who get it. Mm -hmm. So there's actually no reason anymore. This is why self publishing is is the new norm. Right. Of course, the challenge with it that I realized right off is, well, self publishing, you get any old bozo putting anything out there and it looks like a book. And so you have to, you know, your quality has to, you know, that's why I hired an editor. I was like, I want my quality right to, to rise above. So I hired an editor. I hired an inside illustrator. I hired a cover artist. Yep. And uh, the cover artist. I know, story, I'm just not waiting for the story. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want. Well, all right. So Effie writes this book and I hadn't even <laughs> read it yet. I was not in the initial, you know, pre-real um <laughs> what this book was gonna i'm also not his target demographic um i am an adult but i'm not young so it wasn't for me and and uh, we were actually on a work-related trip i don't know brian's read the book so <laughs> I don't know. Okay. my daughter <laughs> <laughs> you know listen i'm not gonna say i haven't read the book since okay. i read the okay. finished version okay. but i was not in the okay. the pre-screen yeah, you okay. know whether or not this this book was going to move forward but we were on a work trip and we were with several, you know, other design friends um, from, you know, the product arena. Yeah. And, and we were we were sitting there and, and at this time, pre-COVID, we're all sharing a, an Airbnb. And Evie says, I've got the book. I, I hired this cover artist and and I remember watching his face and he opens it. Oh, yeah, the email. He opens the email and he sees the first glance of the cover. <laughs> And he, you just see this look of disappointment wash over him. I was like, I'm throwing the whole thing. I'm throwing, I'm firing this person. I'm done. I'm done. And I hope the cover artist isn't listening. Although it does have a, it does have oh, a it's, really good. It's redemptive. Yeah. And and I was like, oh wow, like Effie's really upset. Um, I'm like, well, Effie, like let's take a look at it. And myself, as well as you know, several other people who were were sharing this Airbnb for a work trip. I'll walk over and look at the screen and we're like, Every, what are you talking about? This looks absolutely fantastic. I yeah. mean, it's in black and white, but I mean, it looks, no, it looks, it was, it was, no, it wasn't, you saw the black and white one before, like a few days before that's why you, what, what happened and that was, so this, the first book Phoenix rising and there's this big Phoenix and there's these three 
12 year olds. They're, they're already on a good start. Trying to like, oh my gosh, how are they going to counter this thing? Yeah. So he has this incredible sense of lighting and, and, and staging and all that. It's, just, it's a beautiful cover now. Yeah. But <laughs> for whatever reason, he likes to push the envelope by cover artist. And it looked to me, the coloring. Yeah. The head was kind of bright red, but he like went kind of like silver for the body. It looked like a big chicken. <laughs> so I was like, no. Everyone but Effie disagreed, and we all said, "Effie, hey, this you know, I've never published myself, but this looks like a really great cover." It is amazing. And, and the encouragement was, "Hey, you should keep going." And it, and it, I believe it, that's the same cover artist for. Yeah, all the books, yeah, all, all four of my books, yeah. He he's great to work with, and and uh, shout out to Stefan. Um, that that first one, I said, hey, it looks like a chicken. Can you make it look like a phoenix? Like make it more red. <laughs> and he he immediately did, and it, it, it is gorgeous. It's actually, I think, my favorite cover. Yeah, of the four. So it's very very well done. So you know, meanwhile, you know, Brian, you had kind of a different idea because you're you're doing your own illustrations. You're getting back into something that you're super passionate about, and then you know, for those that haven't read your books out once you got the, the you know the coloring book done and kind of kicked off how did you think about really the the other books that you began publishing and, and the subject matter around what what also you were passionate about well it's it's been a long journey and they end up becoming illustrated guidebooks so i call it the art of yeah. like you know skiing in bozeman or bike mountain biking or the last one was hiking yep and it, which i just combined all three into one which is the last best trails but it's interesting talking about cover design because everyone always says you, you can't judge a book by its cover. People absolutely judge a book by its cover. <laughs> 100%. 100%. That's a lie. That is the lie. only way people will decide to pick your book oh, up. Yeah, first impression, right? Yeah. Whether it's on a shelf or it's on Amazon. Yep. And so this has been a long journey. I could go into like lots of stories on everything it's taken to get up to this point. But now that I'm here, I'm you know. I finished the book this summer. The Last Best Trails was like my manifesto on right. 100 trails in the Bozeman area, which I spent forever, six years working on. Could go, you know, quite an adventure in lots of ways, put it that way. And to confirm, you have visited every trail, ski, run, or mountain bike loop that you're covering in your books. Yeah, there's a couple I need to finish the peaks. Okay. But, you know, I have friends that give me photos from from them and references and all that so yeah th these are ones i repeat these are like mm -hmm. the, the best ones in the area that um i'm not giving away any secrets but like th this is a unique way to look at it it's kind of an imaginative different approach and i would say for those who aren't in in this in montana in this area like it's this is a great book to go if you're if you're visiting to go hey what are the best trails around here it's like it's it's this kind of thing that you you know you look online there's a lot of chatter and to have like you at your, I mean, that's what I, we well, have a real local giving yeah, them right. inside preps, right. Yeah. right? Not secrets. I mean, there's nothing secret, like go out and find them. It's, it's nature. Montana's wide open. Like yeah, public sure. lands are a crown jewel for but the you, state. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Anytime that you travel someone, you're like, Hey, what's the best thing to do here? And you see like 20 different promo sites trying to sell whatever. Yeah. Right. But to get the real, the right. real juicy. And that's the thing. I, I mean, I've interviewed Bryce Stevens, who was a founder of trails.com. So I actually met with five different authors in Washington when I did a video guide. Mm -hmm. I ended up having to scrap that whole project because I didn't get filming permits, which is another story. That's why I illustrate and animate all this stuff. Oh my god! Because I want to have the filming permits. Yes, I can draw. Oh, wow! I can okay. draw and illustrate whatever I want. 
So that's big reason I'm doing it because I get around all of that. Oh, and then it's distinctive because who else is crazy enough to do something oh like that? <laughs> I've done over 600 I illustrations. Never, for yeah, that. I never so, knew that. Yeah. That's so, so there's a long story to this. So I'll have like, if someday I become really successful because of this, yeah. I'll have plenty to look back and say, these are the, all the ways I screwed it up yeah. over two decades of <laughs> like busting my butt to yeah. this happen, which will probably be really funny. But, but I want to talk about the interface design because after I had a moment, after I published the book, you know, it's so much work. And I actually was going to work with a with a publisher, mm -hmm. uh, one of the prominent regional ones, and they decided to pass on my project. Yeah, which delayed an entire year because I can't release a hiking book until the spring. It's like it's got to come out seasonally, right? Because if you miss the boat, it's like too late. <laughs> no one cares if they're already out on the trails. You got to get them in the shoulder seasons when they're antsy to get out. Right. You can't do anything. That's what I learned on the bike book on the Kickstarter because that didn't go as well because right. I released it to it. Oh, bad timing. Yeah. Well, time, poor timing. Timing is super critical with all of this. So, um, but what I what I realized is that a publisher will publish a series of books because they have a format. Mm -hmm. So in the traditional publishers, especially guidebooks, they make the same format every time. And they basically look for authors to come in and like, let's plug stuff into this template. And I, and I understand that because it's so much work to get set up with, if you're working with Ingram Spark, KDP, right. Barnes and Noble, um, I've worked with Spark Press, I've worked with like five different ones. Any one of those, you have to set up a template. They're all different too. That's what's ridiculous. Yeah. And so it's like a lot of an investment in organization and technical setup. So when you do that, you want to make sure that it's working really well and you don't want to really change that part. Right. Right. So, but I realized, I think in my mind, um, my approach on it with this interactiveness and all this new stuff is actually better. It's an improvement. It's a better user interface. At least when I finally get it dialed in, the vision is an improvement on what has been the legacy of traditional guidebooks. Right. So I thought, what if a guidebook in an app can have a baby, but give local knowledge? Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking about Bryce Stevens before, Trails.com founder. They actually went out to, to create Trails.com and interviewed local experts because you get this like perspective. Right. So I thought that is so valuable. That's not something you should just wash over because in my mind, that is the most important part to write about. So my writing is very short in the guides, but it's mostly the local knowledge parts. Yeah. And then a lot of the access stuff is digital. Okay. So, but the interface part. So after I finished this long journey to get this uh, Last Best Trails book done, I wanted to get it done before my daughters went off to college. Right. It's kind of also a sentimental story of like this time together, kind of like you and your yeah. daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's limited. You know it's going to end. But yeah. you try to like squeeze in as much time as you can. And to me, that's why you go out on the trails together with your friends and family. Yeah. Because those memories in my life, at least, and through climbing and skiing and other activities, like there's some of the most vibrant ones that I'll always remember. Right. And, and your family's, you know, heavily featured in yeah, the illustration. Yeah, you actually see them you know, progress yeah. over these years that you've been doing. Right. So I want, I want to encourage people to have that experience because to me, it's been so, so important in my life. Well, yeah. So I, I, I wrapped this whole thing up and it was so much work. And I, and I just decided after all of the launch and all the book settings and stuff, like by the end of the summer, yeah. I'm sitting on the porch out here uh -huh. and I hadn't looked at it in like three weeks. Okay. Right? And I, I, I have like probably hundreds of guidebooks throughout my career of climbing and all this, you know, hiking right. and skiing and all this stuff. 
here in Washington mostly, but and I was looking at the ones I thought were the best pickup, the best feel, the tangible feel to it and everything. Right. And I realized, like, I looked at my book, and of course, I'm a creative, so I'm like, I'm always can do better. How do, yeah, how does this stack up against those? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, and I realized I missed the mark completely from the user interface because regionally, it's done really well with the reviews and the ratings, and like, I have some really like esteemed people rating this and giving their approval, which is where I think you need to start on something like this. Right. But it hasn't gotten out to broader distribution because you go look on Amazon or these other places and my book says the last best trails has got this really unique logo and it's illustrated. Yep. People have no idea what it's about. You have to be closer to the demographic of, Hey, smack you in the face, hike Bozeman, Montana. And there's a one image like hero image of the thing. That's what most guidebooks do. Right. When you're buying stuff on Amazon, that's what you absolutely have to do to mm. be able to make sales. So I realized my book, judged by its cover, it's this beautiful thing. It's the story about, you know, family and like these real experiences. It's all the meat, top of the funnel is completely missing. So, so people are passing it by. People are passing it by yeah. by the broader distribution that don't know this like six year saga that I've been developing. Right. Because of the user interface. So when I was thinking about it, I was looking at all my other guidebooks. And I pick up this like four by six inch pocket guide that they used to make here in Bozeman. I've got some old mountain bike books from the nineties that you have to buy on like our eBay for, you know, a bunch of money Yeah, because they're out of print. And like, this is the format. It's a small pocket guide, full color, single sport. So now I'm going to go back, redo all of these into three different books, hike, bike, ski, optimize the entire experience get an actual user group to do field testing with it and then have them become my advocates so they can share it. Because when you're self-publishing, like Evie was talking about, the only reason I think now to work with a publisher is distribution. Yeah. In, if you're, at least if you're like us, you're a designer, you have a background in production, you can figure that out. You can do all of it. Right. You cannot get it out there unless you really know about advertising and marketing, which obviously I'm still learning. Right. Which... I kind of resent because I'm like, this is really awesome. Why don't people like it? Because I'm not <laughs> putting it out there top of the funnel. Yeah. So. And it too. It's 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 the least per- favorite part of the job. And in fact, I've uh, I I have I've I've hired somebody to to do that for me. I think that's a good idea because when you're you're the creator, you're so emotionally involved yeah. in it. You can't right. look at the numbers. And when it comes down to algorithms and numbers, you got to have like a number cruncher to run the market. Reduce that bias and get like an actual transparent look at, hey, this is what's working, this is what isn't, and you need to change a couple of things. Yeah, and I realized like, I'm not the person to do that. I really yeah. don't have that skill set. That's not why I got into this, but it's probably equally, if not more important than the actual book itself. Cause like, I don't, like with the Kickstarters and stuff, to me, those were harder to do than actually writing and creating the book. They are, and, and they're not. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like how sell, because I've never done a Kickstarter. I, I just tend to I just tend to finance them. But yeah, I mean, what was that experience like? You know, realizing you've got something you got to put out there. You get on the Kickstarter. You start your program. What happens? What happens then? And well, I, I I would just jump in and say, you know, any anyone that I've read in the in the field has said. Kickstarter is is not 
that's not unless you're like really well known like a well-known author or something and you're like hitting this really wide audience like getting your family and friends to buy which is what i did for <laughs> these first books where you start right it's it's a place to start but it's it's you're not actually getting your target demographic buying the books and um and getting on the you know you know like you want your target demographic to buy the book on Amazon and give a review on Amazon and then people are like that target demographic person also read this book and they liked this one and so you know those those algorithms then will will put your book to the top for all those other like-minded readers whereas if it's family and friends it's like and my aunt Karen uh, likes cooking books. And oh, Phoenix Rising, this yeah. young adult fantasy novel. <laughs> and skiing that, and it, Montana. It doesn't Montana. fit the algorithm. Right? It doesn't fit the algorithm, and so oh, it, I see. it doesn't actually help you. So it's kind of so, a dead end, is what I'm hearing. So, so you know, I actually ran, I ran a Kickstarter this last for the last book, and and it wasn't going to make it. And I was what? like, I'm just going to let it, I'm just going to let it flop because, frankly, like. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have even done it. Like I was talking to this woman, I hired this woman to do some marketing and, and some early, uh, advanced reader copy arc they're called. Uh-huh. So these, um, they do this thing where, where you get people who love this, your genre. She's got her list of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Sure. And those who like this genre, they get a free digital copy of it. You okay. know, it's like $10 value, right? Free digital copy of this book. And then they get to, they'll, and in exchange, they'll give you a real review, like an honest review. Okay. And so these are real readers who read a lot of books, who read your genre, and who are giving you an honest, real review. And that, good. and so I just pay this service for this woman to basically give yeah. them, for, and they, their incentive is they want to get free copies. Right. And in exchange, they'll write real reviews. And that's so, like BookBub and all of those uh, free sites. Uh, well, BookBub is a little different. That's, I, I will, I will run another BookBub, uh, to offer the book for free uh, for a limited week or something. No, this is actually uh, an ARC. It's called ARC. Advanced, Advanced Reader Copy. Copy. Yeah. So you got to pay a service to get into the, the mailing list of whatever the ARC. But, but, but it's yeah, the idea is like you give a free or cheap 99 cent online copy to get reviews so that by the time it launches that they're in the Amazon algorithm already. You're preloaded. Right. And, I, that, and I, I was really frustrated because I could not do that with my concept right. because it's an EPUB wow. and and it's real. It's like an app. It's very, you've seen it. Yeah. And it's like in depth. I upload that onto Amazon and Ingram Spark, any of these. It doesn't know what to do with they it. They destroy it. Yeah. You, they, they put it back so a Kindle can read it or something. And it's like all the layout, everything is entirely destroyed. I think it only, I think it works for novels. Yeah. Things that aren't yeah. so picture dependent, like, right, got. right, right. Yeah. Cause I mean, other than, you know, illustrations that are in the book from page to page, you know, Effie has, you know, the cover art and, and, and sometimes other, you know, supporting illustrations that go with it. But yours is absolutely, I mean, not even thinking about the interactivity of it, it's full of like, Trail A, Trail B, Trail C, all these illustrations. And then you start getting to the interactive portion of it. And then, you know, you're clicking in, you're zooming out, you're moving, you know, you're traversing through the book in, in very much a a discoverable way to get to like what you want to do. And yeah, I think when you talk about those interactive eBooks, what you were showing those concepts on, um, to me at least, 
it was like, oh, wow, like we need to wrap this up into a flutter container or something that, right. you know, you're releasing an app on, on you know, both the, the app what, store and Google Play. And I don't know how to market that because what you're talking about, Effie, from all the research I've done, that's exactly how you promote a book and a series. Right. So yeah. the thing you do is you do the free, the cheap, you get the reviews, and then, and then you hit up a bunch of advertising pre-launch. So when the launch comes, it already has positive reviews. It's in the algorithm, and then Amazon just escalates it. Yeah. Because if you know how I feel about you guys front loading with these reviews, that's interesting. So is everyone doing that? Who's selling? No, it's only uh, the people that sell a lot of books. And and and, and everyone we just told. Yeah. Well, I I I haven't been successful at it yet. So I, this is for me. This is my experiment trying this year. Yeah, I was gonna say because you know I have another friend down in Phoenix who who does something in the medical field, and you know, but he was he kind of sent an email out that said. Hey everyone, my new book's coming out. Here it is. Here's a coupon code. Mm -hmm. Buy it on day one and please leave me a review. But it was like we're starting at day one. Yeah. And I hear you guys talking a little bit more like well, we're, we're gonna be up we're gonna be up front with this. Yeah, that's the idea. I'll let you know if it's successful. I don't know. Is, are you gonna do that with book four? I am doing it. Yeah. I've 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 in in uh, and I would have actually said it's published, you know, last month, a month ago. Sure. But uh, you were waiting on the Kickstarter. I'm waiting. No, no, I'm waiting on this. It's, it's not the Kickstarter. I was waiting on this. Uh, this these early. I wanted to get some of these advanced reader oh. readers in, and so the official publish date is December twelfth. So, okay, that was the reasoning why. I don't know. We'll see if it's effective. But I think you know, there is a long game to it. But, but, but self publishing. You know, there's a lot of uh, blockers. There's a lot of walls. To doing it well i think mm -hmm. you know i just um you know so what, one of the things i like doing not because i make a ton of money at it but just i do sell a lot of copies but i like to sell them locally at events. Right. uh so last weekend and then this weekend coming up i'll be selling them locally you know at these different mm -hmm. events and um you know and i'll sell like you know over 100 copies so it's really fun and i meet all these great fans who yeah. love it and you know people who are and they get to meet you and they get to be me i yeah. get to sign them a copy yeah and, like um and, uh, you know, this kid comes up, he's like eight years old and he goes, he makes a beeline straight for the fourth book. Is that right? He clutches oh, it nice. to his chest. Dude, that's awesome. He clutches it to his chest. And I said, oh, I guess you're a fan. And he's like, uh-huh. And then his, his parents show up and I was like, oh, I guess he's read the first one. And they're like, yeah. I said, well, well, you're going to have to give it to me to sign it. And he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, it's yeah, Okay. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I signed it really fast. On the book. I had yeah. signed it really yeah. fast to get yeah, back yeah. and he clutched. You know, but those those moments are priceless to me. Like, yeah, that's why I do those events. It's not because I know I'm not selling thousands of copies. You know, around the, like, like I'm just they're they're buying it because it's a local author, right? Right. Um, which is which is cool and it's edifying to me because it you know I need that encouragement as an author. No, that's huge. But but what I really need is these strategies we're talking about. I really need to get my demographic uh you know to 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 buy into it right and i think that that just takes all this effort yeah 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 i my only claim to fame is i was in a local store one time and i saw brian's book and i was like that's my neighbor <laughs> and they're like do you want to buy it that's the benefit of being his neighbor <laughs> but uh no i mean that's huge and you know the one thing i love about you know being a montanan is uh, Montanans love to do business with other Montanans. And so it's a huge, you know, whether you're, you're doing painting, we, you, Brian, you and I talked about wildlife photography and fine art and, or you're doing whatever. 
Um, there's such a huge community here, which is enormous um, and, and supportive of one another, let alone the different festivals and things we do. Effie mentioning he was just up in Helena um, promoting his book as well. Well, let me, let me ask you this, you know, as we think about, you know, you know, there's so many UX concepts here. You, you're putting something out, you're getting that feedback, you're making those changes, you're moving forward, you get to the, the minimum product, you release it, you learn, you, you know, by the time you guys are on the third, fourth book, you've got some things worked out, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay. So thinking about where you're at today, each in different areas of your publishing journey, if there was one bit of advice that each of you would give to someone who wants to get into self-publishing, if you were to start over today, mm -hmm. and it could be two, it could be three, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. doesn't just have to be one. What, well, like, what would you like, what would you do different if you were to start over again? It's funny you ask that because I had a, a woman at the booth next to mine last weekend ask me, she says, I've written a book, but now I don't know what to do. Right. And and I said, okay, well, what, what, what's your challenge? And she says, oh, it's just a nightmare. Like, she's like, I don't know what to do. I just told you. No, no. But yeah, <laughs> she, so the detail is, yeah. uh, so I think she already did the hardest part, which is writing it. Right. But then I think- Okay. Brian and I, in some ways, are unicorns in that we both come from design background. Yes. And that allows us to do things like lay out our books and create the cover art and whoa, whoa. and do all this stuff. And now you've got somebody who's an author, and that's all they do. And they don't know how to do any of that. Other so they might just have like a Microsoft Word document. Right, right. And there it's like, what do you do from here? And she's like, I'm so overwhelmed. You know, they're wanting this format, this, this, the whatever, and I don't know how to lay it out and I want it to look good. And how do I make it look good? And I was like, well, look, you know, if, if you don't have any experience in it, it's a lot, your next, your next thing you need to do is you need to pay somebody to do it. Right. And, yeah. and the nice thing is th these days there's services like Upwork online or whatever that you can find a contractor. And frankly, for her, for her thing, I think it was actually pretty easy. I don't think sure. it's going to be very expensive, but there's templates and stuff you can you can download and use those and 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 help. But it's it's like she was asking me because she was truly like struggling. And right. when, I, when I mentioned, oh yeah, here's a contracting service you know you could try to use, and and I'm sure it won't cost you very much for this from the right. sounds of what you need, and and they'll just lay it out for you, make it look good, and you know, create a PDF for you. I mean, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, it sounds easy, but like, even for my book, I've got some inside illustrations. You're, you're another level. Yeah. Brian's a completely different. Brian, it's, like, it's involved. Yeah. It's really involved. Brian's on a, uh, yeah. Brian's doing something totally different. It's so funny. So there's no templates or anything. That... Oh, there are, but you gotta, so you, you, you might buy a template. I, yeah. I, you know, for me is because I'm a designer. I downloaded a free template. You're not going to use someone else's template. Well, I did. Did you, did you start it? I started from a free template. They had their paid ones, that, the, which were better, but I'm like, I don't need to pay for better one. I just want right. a template, and then I'm going to make it better myself, which I did. And with just quick question, was that because it was it like within the requirements of this, like Katie? Katie well, it's any book, book, any book. So, uh, you know, a template. Uh, so it's, it's a Microsoft Word, and it'll just have a layout for here's what chapter headings look like. Here's your header. Oh, I see. Here's your headers and styles with your page numbers. Here's the, so you want your inside margins, you know, you want left and right pages and inside margins that are a little wider than outside. Mm -hmm. So there's just all this little stuff to deal with. Right. I was like, I just want someone else to do all that for me so that I don't like, and then I'll, 
with my uh, design eye, I'll make it better than right. I, I downloaded it for free. Yeah. But it got me started in the right path, you know, and it was my, my books are, you know, five and a quarter by eight inch. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it just was all set up, ready to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think one thing I want to bring up is that there's like 50,000 50, new books written in the United States every year. They're okay. trying to be self-published or are self-published. Or self And that's just self-published. Just the United States. Right. Just self-published. So everybody, or not everybody, that is a lot of people mm -hmm. making a lot of traffic. Yep. And I noticed, I've had friends and other people, and I actually, on LinkedIn, once in a while, I'll get a message, hey, do you want to become a bestseller, this and that? Yeah. So there's this whole idea that as an author in the movies, it was always about okay, great. You're, you're, you got a great idea. You pitch this idea. People right. love it. Yeah. And they're going to pay you a bunch of money up front to make this book for you. <laughs> That's how all the movies are. But then the writer gets in there like, oh crap, I don't really know what to do. And after you know, we're just talking about this, it's the exact opposite in today's situation. Right. Today's reality today but, you know. is that there are 50,000 plus authors trying to get their stuff out there. A lot of these people have already written a book. Yep. They don't know how to distribute it or they don't know how to jump through all these hoops that we've had to jump through. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're basically possibly victim to all these predator groups that want to charge 7,000 oh, yeah. bucks or yeah. $30,000 to help format your book, have a ghostwriter, do all of this stuff so you can have, be a bestseller. They literally will tell you this. So they're kind of like the shakedown people for the real publishing companies. And they're not associated with the publishing no, companies. No, no. These are independent groups yes. that are either texting you or doing whatever, saying, hey, we'll make you amazing. Yeah, you there's such an opportunity in self-publishing. So right watch now, out for that. That, you know, we will do all of this hard stuff for you. So in my experience in life in general, yeah, like AI, for example. Uh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Is, so if something is so easy to do, that anybody can do it. How valuable is that? How is anybody, if a lot of people know how to do that, can you make any money at that? Yeah. In my experience, that's no. It's like you have to do really hard stuff right. that no one can do right. or wants to do. And that's where you actually can make money in this. Yeah. Way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there, there will always be value on the originality of, of the, the ideas that not anyone can do, which Brian took all this time to go out and ski these particular areas. Sounds exhausting. Mountain bike all these areas, which I've ridden with you and you completely smoked me and go and hike all these areas. And, and you're coming back and saying, here's what I took away from that. And you, you're not going to ever automate that. No, but, but that in this day and age is not enough. Right. You also, and like after I talk about we're resentful marketers, you have to market it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not valuable at all because right, right. people won't see it. And there's tons of people putting out their inferior products oh, so that are more visible. And that's to me as a creative is the most frustrating thing in my career. I've got all of this experience, all of this stuff. And it's such the great thing is we can do all this, but it's so noisy to stand out. Right. Like I was talking with Pretty my much. buddy about the Sundance Film Festival. He's got a doc, he's made 30 documentaries. He's worked on the Titanic and, and all this stuff. Oh, you know, like he's got a great, he's won like eight Emmys or six or eight, like a ton. And yet he can't get work right now because um, he's basically been displaced by all of this modern technology and like yeah. people younger and cheaper, all this mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but but the Sundance part. So there's they they accept they accepted. He said fifteen thousand submissions to the Sundance Film Festival. Wow, which used to be the indie place to put your artwork. That was the place, right? That's where now. And and he said for U.S. documentaries, they're accepting thirty. Well, how do you get into thirty? So how you get into it, you have to, like you have to come with a pre-made brand package and existing following even to get in the film festival. Mm. So from my perspective, if you want to be an author, mm-hmm. it is and actually have any sales, mm-hmm. you have to invest all of this time in making a really quality product. It might take you several years. Mm-hmm to figure out how to get it edited, how to improve your illustration style, all this stuff. You're not going to nail it the first book, second or third or fourth, maybe. Mm-hmm. It might take a while. You have no idea it's going to work. You don't know if it's going to work. And you have to then also market it, figure out how to reach a broader audience, make sure it's not just like somebody else's thing. Right. And and then if you're going to invest that much time and energy, you better make a series of these, right? Because yeah. if you're marketing you one. one book- right. Then you make sell one book. Well, it better sell. Is it going to be a New York Times seller? Probably not. You need a whole series of products in that line so that you need to build your own brand, essentially. So you're looking for like a snowball effect? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yep. And so um, that's the real challenge as a content creator. I think there's this crazy misconception, and I've fallen into it, that creators, like it's a creator economy, whatever, but most creators don't make any money right. creating their stuff. They actually pay Amazon. They pay uh, Instagram. They pay for right. boosting. They pay for all this stuff, building their own audiences that people don't actually even see the stuff in their own networks. That's why you need to have like your own email you know, systems. You have to have things that aren't part of a social network that you actually right. Right. control. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge misconception that there's all this stuff the people that actually making money on YouTube and publishing books are a fraction of the top, top, top percent. Yeah. Most people make incremental amounts or nothing, or they lose money at it. And that's that's the reality that I've learned that I think is really disappointing as a creative because the real value in this economy is building a platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too. You know, but also at the same time, I mean, not to be so melancholy about it, you know, Brian, you're, you know, spending amazing time with your daughters who are now at college. You're, you know, obviously spending time in a, in a beautiful place we get to live and you're, you're drawing things that, you know, going back to where you started, that was the original intent behind why you even did this, right? You started with a coloring book no. and now you've got, you know, all these different mm-hmm. things that you're publishing. And Effie started because he wanted to spend time with his kids and now he's entering on book four. And so, um, you know, I definitely took the lesson away that, Hey, you know, don't, don't go lease that new Audi just yet. But, um, you guys are doing these things that you love. And then Effie, you had been talking to not to spoil anything, maybe some other projects that we'll get to in a second about, mm-hmm. you know, things that you're passionate about. And it's clear to me that both of you are looking at this, solving these UX problems, recognizing the state of the world and these challenges. And it is noisy. Uh, just think if you were applying for a job on LinkedIn recently and the noise that exists there, right? you know, and you think about the self-publishing world. And I thought about that too, because there's so many books that I just 99 sec eBooks that I'm just like, Oh, this is kind of garbage. Like it's, you know, there's yeah, here. Most of it is. I think, you know, this is the hardest thing these days. And it's, it's an information age issue. 
you know, just we're go ahead, go we're in the information age. So yeah, and I don't know. You said fifty thousand. I don't know what the number is, but there's so many authors now. But most of it, like I'd say, you know, over ninety percent is not worth reading. And so, how does any individual wade through that? And you know, I read this stat that said that fifty three percent of people who are coming to Amazon to buy a book, they don't actually know what they want yet. Huh. Well, yeah. So there, so there's this great. What, what do you think they're doing? Well, they're perusing. They're going to the bookstore. They're going to a bookstore to see what inspires them. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I thought it like a. So it's a completely different mindset. I, right. I I don't ever go to Amazon without yeah, but, an intent. Okay, but you don't. But like <laughs> I know. But, but yeah, I'm just like. But okay, so like I don't just like browse Amazon. Barnes and Noble. Like, I'll, I'll go to a bookstore. And I will go to Barnes and Noble. Okay, so a bookstore so, and walk so, for it. so those who read a lot, yeah. let's say that you're somebody who reads, you know, many books a week. You, you know, you you don't necessarily know you're going to show up at the Barnes and Noble or the Amazon book area. Okay. And go, I'm going to peruse. I'm going to read some reviews. I'm going to see what's out there. So there's 53%. So like, I think, I think there's an opportunity there, but like getting that exposure in like, how do you like, wade through it? I had this kid come up to me last year when I was selling my books at the fair and she comes up, she's probably 14, 15. Yeah. And she says, and I said, she's like, oh, I'd like book three. Cause at that point that was my last book. Yeah. I'd like book three. And I said, like, oh, great. You've read the other ones. And she says, these are the best books I've ever read. I was like, what do you mean they're the best? Have you ever read them? <laughs> you know, like, it's the only book you've ever seen Brian's book. She's got pictures in them. It's amazing. She's, she's, I was like, what about Harry Potter? She says, better. I was like, Percy Jackson is better. Oh boy. I mean, drop. No, but I'm just yeah. like, no, it's been, it's her opinion. It's her opinion. I mean, but I'm not putting those, I'm not putting those down because I think they're, they're wonderfully crafted in their own way. But I'm just saying like, Okay, you know, that makes me so and I know that like like teachers, like I had teachers buy yes. like come and, and approach me and say, Can I get a dozen copies or can I get thirty copies? Because they want them in their classroom. So I know that it's doing something right. Yeah. And yet it's not it's not out there. And so I think this is the UX this is the UX challenge right now for yeah. self publishing is how do you show people that your book is in that top ten percent? Right. It's not a part of the cruft. It's actually one of the better ones. It's hard. Well, is this a long game? It has, I think that's what Brian was saying. I think I, I think I think you need if you're looking at getting into self-publishing, you need to get in it for the right reasons. Right. A lot of people seem to be getting into it because oh, you can make all this money on Amazon. Yeah. In my experience, that's like there's only one person at Amazon who's getting rich, and it's not us. It's, yes. So <laughs> so. But so back to Effie's point, like I love doing local book signings and right. things because we have there these great conversations and yeah. you're making a local impact right. and you're doing something that resonates with people. You can see the expression in their faces. That's it. And that is why you want to do it. That's you really want right. to be doing something that's meaningful for your life. Right. And hopefully the art you make resonates wider than just your own enjoyment of making it. Right. To me, that's worthwhile doing in right. itself. Well, and that 14 or 15 year old is not going to ever go online and write a review ever, <laughs> right? Ever. Maybe when they're 22, but they're just not. So like having that experience for me is what gives me, That's, you know, yeah. The, yeah. that gives me the, the energy as a, as an author. And it's, it's really hard to be working in your studio day in, day out, slaving away at this stuff and not getting input. Right. Or you try to put input, input on social media and it's not. 
really relevant to what you're trying to do like picture yeah so it's like it's you got to just keep the faith that you keep perfecting your art and your craft it's like practicing an instrument yeah the more you work at it the more disciplined and the more skilled people you're around the better your work becomes yep and so you got if you look at it from that perspective then you have a lot of potential for growth and it's more of an intrinsic value right and i think at some point what happens intrinsic value becomes extrinsic value yeah. Then, at, then at some point you have the wisdom to share with other people and can meet them where they're at. Yeah. That is a, the skill that takes, in, in my perspective, a lifetime to develop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing that like really comes you know to me about you both being from the outside is, I think if you never sold another copy, which is ridiculous because you're both continuing to sell copies, I think I would find you guys doing the same exact thing. And, you know, maybe be a little bit yeah. slower or whatever, but, you know, I think those people that do it out of the passion and for the art of, well, you know, being fulfilled, they're going to keep doing it. And that yeah. is, is the beauty of, of, of the self-publishing project. I, well, I think I would just take a step back and say, you know, like what drives, what drives people to create. Yep. And I think, um, one, one shout out to a book that I think is incredible for anyone who, who feels that desire to create in, in struggles yep. is it's a book called the war of art instead of the art of war I've seen another <laughs> the that, war, is this war a real book <laughs> no it's, i've not it's, read this book and it's fantastic okay. it's it's um it's it's really it's my favorite book on helping overcome your your blocks right if you're you know because everybody you know his argument in the book everybody is creative Everybody has something that they're they're creative and passionate about. Maybe it's gardening or cooking or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like everyone has creative outlets, and the and the the war of art is actually doing it. Right, is making the time to do the thing you're passionate about that you don't get paid to do. Mm-hmm. But that if you if you do this, you're fulfilling your purpose as a human. You're mm-hmm. fulfilling what you are designed to be doing. And if you're not doing it, then you're holding that back from the world. Yeah, great you need, point. And, and so it's a great 100-something page book. It's a short read yeah. that just kicks you in the pants and goes, you know what? This is really what my life, I need to do this. Like, I'm I'm not going to be happy unless I'm creating somehow. Right. And so for me, I do a lot of creative things, but writing to me yeah. is really important. And I've realized that at a very young age. And so... I think just to step back, you, you've mentioned a number of times what keeps us going. And I think to me, that book and that message, you know, I, re- I remember it regularly. Like right. if I'm not creating, then I'm not like, like living out that purpose. And, mm. you know, mm. I think it would it's be, good. I think it would be better for me. You know, I think it'd be more fulfilling if I had tens of thousands of readers instead of hundreds, maybe a, lot, yeah. a, few, a few thousand, but like in the same breath, it's, it still is fulfilling, even knowing the few hundred or few thousand that, that are reading my books, like it still is fulfilling, and, you know? And so I think, yeah. and of course I have a dreams of one day, you know, becoming that best-selling New York Times, whatever. I mean, I think it's, it's possible, but. For sure. It, no, absolutely for sure. You know, but you know, one thing you said, I just kind of maybe want to get both your thoughts on, you talked about like the war of art and like what I hear is like being really intentional in your habits and practices yeah. to express that creativity. Do either of you, I, I tend to be a little OCD in case our listeners don't know. Um, <laughs> I tend to follow a pretty strict regimen on how I go about things. Do either of you have, you know, do you wake up and say, 
I mean, if you were to tell me, hey, you know, Jason, write a book tomorrow, I'd be like, well, what do you want it to be called? Where do I start? How do I think about this in the big picture? You guys have already done this. Do you say, okay, outside of my daily work and my family duties or whatever I'm doing societally, I'm going to be intentional to meet my goal and I'm going to do this every day to hit either Effie for you book four or for you, Brian saying, okay, now I'm published. I want to do this interactive app. Like what, what guardrails, if any, do you put in place to make sure that you're hitting that creative, really that, that kind of dopamine hit of hitting success. Yeah. Of it, finishing. That's a really good question because so I've been doing creative, uh, creative work in quotes yeah. for over 20 years mm -hmm. and a lot of it's been corporate work. Right. So it, when I started my career in the late nineties, there was this big differentiation between commercial art and fine art, mm -hmm. right? Oh, for sure. And you do fine art for intrinsic value of feeling like self-fulfillment, like starving artists basically. Yeah. In the commercial art is like you sell your soul to do this. Right. And for me, it's like been complete opposites forever in my life and I want to join those. Okay. But part of it for me is like, it's got the art I'm doing has to be relevant. Because it's one thing for me to be like, oh, great, I can do do all this stuff that I enjoy. But if like no one else can appreciate it, it's like teaching a class to one or no students, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's not very fulfilling. But if you have at least some people there that are really engaged, it is fulfilling, mm -hmm. right? So if, for me, it's all about relevancy. So you can, when you're doing artistic work, I am very regimented where I've got my my emails, my stuff, I'm almost like, my toughest boss, yeah. you know, I'm like, well, I got to have all this outreach to these people. But my favorite time of the day is a little bit later in the afternoon. Once I've done all right. my logistics stuff, and then I can actually go in there and work on a drawing or work on an illustration to get in the zone. Mm -hmm. So like today I didn't mm -hmm. hear my friend at the door because right. I was so in it or editing. It's like, I'm in the zone. Right. And that's what yeah. I, I live for being in the zone. But if I'm living in the zone and not doing anything that's relevant, I can't, put food on the table that's right so that's that that is like the struggle but you're blocking that time off you're saying this amount of time at some point during the day is going to be set aside for me to, to at, at the end of the day i will have a piece of art that i finished yep and oftentimes it's not the dozens of emails or all of the um paperwork that i've done sure that gives me satisfaction at the end of the day when i go to bed yep. it's like oh, I created that scene that didn't exist before and it's this beautiful thing and it's in my mind and I loved it. Right. And that's to me like what I need to do every day. So it's, it, it drives me. Yeah. But the trick is, is always how do I make that relevant to other people? Right. It's not just internalized. It's yeah. got to be externalized. Yeah. 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 What about uh, Effie? What, what, like, how are you carving this time out? You know, you're, you're also balancing the family full-time roles yeah. in leading you up and other community commitment and other than all that I've got. And, and, you know, I think the hardest thing for me is, is, is recognizing that I think I'm, I'm kind of unique in that I'm, I'm a pretty spontaneous and loose guy. And I don't I've read that, you know, but, but in the same breath, I'm yeah. like, I'm really disciplined. And, and so, you know, I think that's, that's what, what I'm, what I'm saying is that's unique. I think, I think for probably for most, I'm imagining for most people, you would need to say at this time every day, I'm going to start doing this. And for me, it's the passion that, that I just go, okay, 
the kids, you know, the kids are down for the night or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to do this because, you know, I'm kind of type A, I'm like, I'm always driven, I'm doing stuff and I know that I want to make time for it, but I don't have a disciplined regimen of, okay, every day I'm doing this or whatever. Yep. I haven't written, I haven't written, I'm writing a new sci-fi novel now, um, which I'm really digging. I'm, yeah, let's talk about what's next. Well, I, I do, we don't have to get into that. It's just, it's uh, it's amazing to me. I'm just so so driven though. Like yeah. this book I started, um, uh, let's say about six weeks ago and I'm already on chapter 16 or so. And, yep. and to me, that's, that's pretty fast paced. I know that some authors are way faster. But for me, I've got a full day job, and so like sure. carving out that time to me is is. Actually- it almost sounds like an outlet for you, above and beyond the work. It's not work because, yeah, you, you just said you're you and kids are already asleep, and you're now well using that time to yeah. And I have and I have a very compassionate, understanding wife who just yes. thinks it's great. You know, she, <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't talk about Michelle. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she know what you do as an author because she she is. Clearly she'll come over, over. She'll come over and look at you. She's like, "What you doing?" And I'm like, "Chapter fourteen, chapter 14. She's okay. Well, when you finish up, it'd be nice yeah. to hang out. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You know, and and so like, That's awesome. Uh, it was a no, I, I think there is, and 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 so I think for me, being kind of the loose guy, I am the spontaneous. I I like to to create space for both, but I think that that would be really hard for most people. I is, is what I'm coming down with. I know I'm cringing because I'm like, there's no structure. Like we need. Where's your structure? Yeah, where's the structure? You didn't start at 8 p.m. What are you doing? What's it's, wrong with you? That's right. Thousand it's words per day. Come on, Happy. Let's go. I am do. I am learning French because I'm planning to go to to France next uh, from okay. the next year. Great. And so that one is more structured. It's like, okay, I'm getting my 10 to 15 minutes a day okay. of of Duolingo. I'm doing. My wife's way into that. She's mm. getting me to go to Paris with her. I'm not going to speak it like, but she's. She's been. You won't need to. She I won't know. need to. Exactly. She should know. I want to go look at the art. <laughs> Talk to people. Or I, uh, That's right. When I went to France, last time I was in France, 2005, and I only knew like a tiny spattering of, of French, and I want to have a better experience this time. I want to like get deeper, you know? But, yeah. I had a great chat with a guy at a with live music at the, some remote pub in Provence, and I'm sitting there going, gosh, I wish I knew more French. Yeah. You know, I want to have those experiences this time. So I'm doing this for myself. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> so cool. You, you're working on a new book. Uh, we're going to have some details about your, you know, book number four and how to get some of those other books. And then, and then Brian, what, what's next for you on this radar as you, as you wrap up, you know, this, you know, the three book series kind of condensed mm-hmm. into one and you've got, um, you know, whether or not I could talk to you and actually building an app that we can release above and beyond the yeah. self-publishing yeah, what's next for you? Well, I'm excited for next year because I just found out is year of the wood dragon, and I'm a fire dragon. So, wow. I mean, maybe I feel like we have to start the episode all over. Maybe right? the wait, stars wait. are going to light. Dragon? What? Wait. What is dragon? Got it up a little bit. It's Chinese New Year. Oh. Okay. So sometimes you work really hard in life. That wasn't in my pre-note. And it seems <laughs> last this last year was going to be the year where I really took off. Oh. Okay. And it did not happen the way that I wanted it to. You, you and me both, but creative. I think it's been a hard year for everybody. Honestly, yeah, it's been a hard it's been year, a rough year, except so, for me. Except for Effie, just like, always, always learning, learning over there. Learning French. <laughs> yes. Unless you're Effie, I'm like, learning French. <laughs> but you know, looking ahead, I'm really optimistic for the next year. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did learn in struggles that makes us stronger, right? Yeah. Or can it makes yeah. us stranger? Um, is that <laughs> I now know how to do all this stuff. 
I didn't know how to do before, which was really hard. Right. But I know how to do it. And there's a lot of applications uh, for publishing, self-publishing in this multimedia platform I've developed just by working at it Yeah, that I'm actually doing for clients right now. Right. Entirely different sectors, science and technology sectors, which I think there's big things right. that can happen with that. So I'm going to be working on that. Okay. And then I'm also going to be publishing, my goal is five books next year. What? Oh, because you're doing the little- Because, yeah, yeah, because the... here it is. Malifs, yeah. Okay, so I've got The Last Best Trails. It's yeah. actually three books. Right, right. I get my daughters to redo all the layout. I teach them my templates. <laughs> okay. And then they're going to be real illustrating maps, make it pop, pocket friendly. Hike, bike, ski will come out. Uh-huh. Probably one or two of them by the spring, maybe one in the, the fall. Okay. Seasonally. And then I'm going to have two children's books, one winter and one summer. Okay which are fully illustrated, which will also be short films. Okay. And then the big goal is I've got, I'm, I've been working on a 25 minute length animated film. Wow. To, uh, uh, I won't even, I won't go too too much detail, but uh, that'll be a stretch goal. Yeah. Stretch goal. Exactly. But it's part of the ecosystem. The stuff that I'm making for one thing kind of keys in another. So it'll be something that'll come out in the next couple of years, but this entire next year will be developing Mm. A brand community and sponsors and figuring out how to do the funding if it's Kickstarter or if it's just art sponsors or corporate sponsors. I'm going to navigate that world because yep. to be relevant, you basically have to build a brand yep. in this day and age yep. to make anything yeah, happen. Yeah. And so I'm, I think it's a collaboration. I've talked with people. People are super stoked and it just puts the pressure on me. I got to produce really good stuff. Yep. Yeah. So yep. that's what I'm going to be working on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um I'm just going to like keep doing the podcast and uh, being successful at that. And, uh, but no, really exciting to hear what you both have going on. Yeah. Obviously check the description. We're going to have all links and everything posting to how we can, you know, learn more about mm-hmm. each of you and where to get your offerings, mm-hmm. how to follow you. You know, I guess the best way to find Brian, if you're not going to uexperts.info to learn about Effie and myself, you can find more out about Brian Schaefer by going to center.com, S I N. TR.com. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just have one. I, oh, I think go for it. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, most people who who ask me about writing, yeah. you know, I think I think the number one advice I give everyone is just start. You know, people 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 come to me, you know, I, I was talking to this guy last summer and he was like, Listen, I've got this idea, and he starts telling me this idea, and he was a military, you know, veteran, and mm-hmm. and he and I was like it's a really cool idea. Like what, what's next for you? Wow. What, you know, what are you going to, and, and I realized like the advice he needed and most people need is you just got to hurt. Right. Like he had this great idea, but he wasn't writing. And I was like, if you just, you just got to set a tie. Like, this is the hardest thing for an author. Right. Is actually start getting that first draft. I was like, trust me, like this, this book four, when I brought it to the editor, I knew that the the beginning was rough and I didn't know what to do. Sure. We ended up cutting, like like deleting the first three and a half chapters. <laughs> Deleted. And we jumped in. I wrote a new chapter one and then we jumped into, like we, I kept half of one of the first mm-hmm. four chapters. And and you don't know that. Like this was my second draft I gave the sure. editor. Sure. You don't know that when you're ready. You just got to do it. You just got to get it out. And trust the process that if you do it right and you have professionals working with you, it's going to be a good work at the end of it. But I think I, that would be my last. No, that, that's, so, that's uh, 
that's so timely. You know, a good friend of ours is going to be starting up a business locally and, you know, he's got uh, these big like visions of what to do and it's a great idea. And, you know, today the the feedback was, I'm just going to start with this first step yeah, and we're going to scale from there. And it's like, yeah, because if you take that first step, then you'll get to the bigger vision. If we wait until the bigger vision's ready to go, then guess what we're doing? Yeah. Probably nothing. And and yeah. and the same is true for software development, right? Like yeah. we do build, measure, learn, such That's right. you know, you don't release your final product on the first day. That's right. You 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 work up to it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. These micro steps. Awesome, awesome. Anything from you, Brian? The the final thought I would have is that it reminds me of something Christopher Parkening said. He was a famous classical guitarist from Bozeman that was like really popular in the 80s and 90s. But he said, pursue excellence, don't chase success. Mm-hmm. And so he's stuck. Yeah, that, that's one thing I would leave. If you feel driven to be creative or make something, do it to make your art better. Yep. And then if you're doing it to chase success, you're probably going to be frustrated. Yeah. But if yeah. you're if you're driven intrinsically by pursuing excellence, that's something to keep developing, and that is a lifetime skill that's worth worth. Yeah, so I say amen to that. I mean, think of all the famous artists who didn't become like big Van Gogh until until they died. I don't want to be like him or Mozart. You know, you yeah. have a lot of success yeah. in your life, but yeah, you know, there's fulfillment in creating and so mm-hmm. Right, right. No, well said, well said. All right, well, that feels like a really good spot to kind of wrap up and. Just want to thank everyone for joining us on episode 12 of the U-Experts. Just a reminder, um, we will have the description uh, on how to reach both of our guests, including Effie, who's our longtime partner on this podcast. But just a reminder, if you have any questions, please submit those two questions at uexperts.info. And as always, as we go out, whether you're self-publishing or creating products, or thinking about new ideas and ways to improve the lives of those around you, just remember to make that experience a good one. Ciao.